Uh, today we have two amazing uh, men in our house who are going to be bringing the word today. Uh, you know, this is something that we love to do uh, around about this time of the year. We love to give an opportunity to um, some people to share. Uh, previously, we've done some panels and things like that, but this year we're like, it's time uh, for some others to get behind the pulpit and preach a message. And as we're praying into that, thinking about that, uh, these two people uh, popped into our hearts and minds. Uh, these guys uh, and their wives are incredible pillars in our house. Uh, you all know that as they love and serve you. Uh, but on a personal level, for Esther and myself, they are rocks for us. Uh, they really uh, help us lead and function and function and run this church. And so we are so grateful for these guys. But we also know there's a call upon their life as well. And so today we get to see uh, the beginnings and, and, and what God's doing in and through them. And so I would love for us to stand to our feet today and honor and welcome Luke first up as he comes to bring the word this morning. Well, good morning, good morning. Um, yeah, it's a privilege to be up here. Uh, to say I'm not nervous uh, is an understatement, but to share the platform with um, my cousin Matt, who's more than a cousin to me, he's, he's more of a brother, um, uh, and yeah, just our lives are so intertwined, so it's awesome just to be able to share this platform, which we both haven't been up here for a long time, like we've been in little parts, obviously playing our part in the church, but to do this um, is awesome, man, I love you, man, but yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, yeah, always sort of cancels everything out, but I do, lo- I do love you. <laughs> There's going to be a few years through my state, uh, for, through our message. Um, prepping a message is hard. So big up, big up to you. Um, I'm, I'm used to just doing the five minutes, you know, up here. I can send you guys into take five, throw a little funny little verb in there. Uh, and my job's done. But to prep a message has been, has been difficult. Um, so especially in my household, it's chaos. So I was reflecting this morning. Sorry, Esther, I keep moving for you. You're trying to take a photo. Uh, uh, as I was yeah, reflecting this morning, I, we don't have to set an alarm clock in our house. This guy is our alarm clock. 5 a.m., calling out for us, wants his wheat fix, um, and he's, he always has a little special surprise for us to wake up to. <laughs> so, and then 6 a.m. rolls around, and the other two get up. Um, but I, I tried it in the morning to do a, a bit of a devotion and read the Word, um, but there's chaos. There's absolute chaos. There's lightsabers going, people screaming, people yelling, wrestling, someone's hurt themselves. Um, but this verse was pretty cool. Uh, that popped into my devotion this morning. So Romans 5, 20 to 21. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they are. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sorry, I'm just going to set a timer. Um, Let's be honest, we live in a broken world. There is chaos, it's chaotic, it's troublesome, there's slips, I slip up all the time, but God's grace is abundant. And we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. So let me just pray this morning. Father, I just pray you speak through me this morning. I pray it's not my words on the page, Lord, but you are speaking through them. Let your word and everything be part of me this morning. I pray that these people here today can take something away, Father. So let my life be example to you, Father. Let my slip-ups be your glory, Lord. Thank you for picking me up daily. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for all the people in my life that speak into it. In your awesome name, amen. So I just want to look back a little bit on my life. So my name is Luke Newland, as you all know. Um, (laughs) I grew up in essentially a traditional home. I have a loving mother and a father, father, um, who are actually here today. So big ups to John and Eileen. Um... I have an older brother called Joshua, he was also here today, and a younger sister called Caitlin, who was also here today. So it's great to have my family here. But as you can see, I have an older brother and a younger sister, which makes me the middle child. <laughs> so not to, obviously the key is never to make mum cry, but looking back at baby photos, there's not a lot of me. <laughs> 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 a 
You see, the firstborn is all new. It's fresh. It's exciting. Um, this, uh, the, the second one, the middle one, oh, he's falling over. He's walking funny. No, he's all right. He's all right. He's all right. Don't need to take him to the hospital. Oh, he's, oh, he's put something in his mouth and he spat it out. That's good. It's all right. <laughs> so the middle child, you, you made the mistakes with the first and you know it's not that scary anymore. And the last child, the final child, is this is it. This is the wrap-up. Let's take it all in. Let's take it all in. So that's who I am. So <laughs> I'm the middle child. So again, I during school, I was average. Sports, I was all right at. Unfortunately, I was a little bit of a chubby child, I, um, which doesn't look like me now. This chubby child still lives with inside me. I love food. Um, but again, I was just an ordinary, average child. So looking at me now, I'm married. I have a wonderful wife who is here today, <laughs> Hannah, and I have three amazing kids, even though they wake up early, and another one on the way. So your prayers would be very helpful to me. Again, so unfortunately to Joy and Sammy, they're the middle children. So this is the last one, last one. Uh, so let's take it all in. Um, so as a child, I love wrestling, video games and movies. So if there's ever a trivia night and you need a third, I'm your guy for those topics. We went to church every Sunday. I was afraid to do anything wrong. I, to be honest, looking at my life, I didn't do anything extreme, crazy. Obviously, there was that self-conscious attitude in me, but also the fear um, of my parents. But <laughs> don't make mum cry today. It keeps popping up. <laughs> um, I say all this to say, my life might seem ordinary in the world's eyes, yet it's these ordinary stories that God weaves extraordinary purposes. So consider the Bible. We look at the disciples. They're just fishermen. They're tax collectors. We look at Paul. He's a tent maker. These are all just ordinary people, but they were used for extraordinary purposes. So that's my message this morning. It's going to be when the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Um, so thanks for having me this morning. <laughs> um, so to, this morning, I'm really going to... As much as we look at extraordinary, we think of Paul. He was imprisoned. He pronounced wrote majority of the New Testament that we read today. He's amazing. But I want to focus on Timothy this morning. He's right-hand man. His friend, his companion throughout it all. Because you see, he was an ordinary man. But he was used for extraordinary things. So this year for me has been a struggle. It's been hard. I've changed roles in my job. I've studied it a little bit. Um, obviously, we have three young children, as I keep going on about. So it's chaos. It's hard. It's been hard. There's been financial constraints. There's been um, so much different things. Lack of sleep is a big one for us. And obviously, with the church move as well, there's more responsibility that I've taken on through church. Um, but it's been amazing. It's been challenging. It's stretched me. And it's helped me. And now I'm up here today because of everything that's happened. So the things I want to f focus on this morning, there's four key things I've, I've realized through Timothy's life that resonated with me. So in 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul says, I remember your genuine faith. For your faith, the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. So generational faith was key in his life. He inherited it from his grandmother and his mother. And this just teaches us the significance of that. It's a reminder of how powerful we hold, how the power we hold to influence others by passing on the torch. And I have those to thank to my mother and my father for passing down the torch to me. And I reflect on my grandfather, who was a missionary, and he did amazing things. And even to Matt and his dad, planting churches, that really holds abundant life in Nolamara, holds such a significant place in my heart. And you might not have experienced this in your life, but you're here today that you can pass the torch onto someone else, that you are the start, that you are laying the foundation so people like me can be up here today. Another key thing I saw in Timothy's life is challenges. You see, he was, it doesn't go into detail, but he was struggling with sickness. As Paul writes in 1 Timothy 5.23, no longer drink only water, 
but use little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. So he was sick. He was put up against the wall. There were things going on. And I'm sure there wasn't the, the same medical professionals that we hold and we have now. He was further held back by his youth. 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So speaking to you young guys, <laughs> speaking to you, yeah. stand firm. It doesn't matter how old you are, you guys have truth within you. And even speaking not into the youth, but the people that are past their youth, you guys still have a part to play. There's things that's happening in your life that have happened in your life that can speak into others' life and lift them up. So our age or perceived limitations should not hinder us from living extraordinary life for God. I know in my own life, challenges persisted even after becoming a Christian. But the saying goes, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Challenging times make us rely on God, God, teaching us that battles are often won in the quiet moments. We all hear that all the time. Pray, pray, reflect, pray. And it's true though. So often we can live our life in our own strength, but we need God's strength to help us push through. Which leads me to my next point, being perseverance. So these are Paul's words, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race and I've remained faithful. But these words ring true, not in Timothy's life, but our life as well. We want this for our life. We want to fight the good fight. We want to finish the race and we want to remain faithful through everything. So like Timothy, we are called to press on, overcome challenges and keep the faith, knowing God's extraordinary plans unfolds in His perfect timing. That's a key thing, is His timing. It might not feel that we're moving forward, but it is all in His timing. So even when things slip up, you fall over, and you think, I'm not getting anywhere, just rely on the hope and the faith that you have in Jesus. That's His timing. There are always going to be ups and downs, hurdles to overcome, but pushing through these times is where growth happens. So the final part I want to focus on, and then I'll bring it all together, um, is, is mentorship and discipleship. You see, as I said before, Timothy was Paul's right-hand man. He was with him throughout his whole journey. But the key thing through Timothy's life is his mentorship from Paul. He called him his true son in the end. That's how close the relationship was. As Paul writes, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. So let's recognize the power of guiding others. From ordinary to extraordinary through sharing wisdom and experience. And that, again, it goes back to the start, generational faith. We experience those things by the wisdom that we were passed on, that we pass on to others. So there's been a chosen few that mentor me. It's great, it's not easy. You need to open yourself up. For someone like me, that wasn't easy. But I encourage you, if you don't have those people in your life, to find those people, but also be that person to someone else as well. So to bring it all together, as we continue to delve into the profound lessons from Timothy's life, let's explore the notion that God uses the willing, the available, and even the weak. Because we know we are weak without Him. For His extraordinary purposes. Timothy's story becomes a living testament to these principles. Illustrating that God doesn't call the equipped, but rather equips the cold. And we're all cold. So again, going back to generational faith, consider the transforming power of generational faith in Timothy's life. The torch of faith passed down from his grandmother Lois and mother Eunice created a legacy that impacted not only his life, but countless others. The legacy challenged us to reflect on the faith we are passing down onto the next generation. How can we like Lois and Eunice, so seeds of faith that will bear fruit in the lives of those who come after us. This verse really stood out to me regarding that. Because again, like I said, even if we haven't experienced that in our lives, we can take comfort in the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 to 27. But when the Father sends the Advocate, 
as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. That's so good. Because you might not have had the experience that I've had. You might not have grown up in a family that were united, that weren't there for you, that weren't members of the faith, that weren't sowing seeds in your life. But you have the Holy Spirit. If you welcome Him in. Again, challenges, they're inevitable. Part of the journey from the ordinary to extraordinary. Timothy faced the challenge of youth. A reminder that our age or perceived limitations should not be barriers to living out faith boldly. The saying, as I said before, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, takes on a spiritual depth here. The challenges we face, as difficult as they may be, can serve as opportunities for growth, resilience, and a deeper reliance on God. First, uh, First Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Perseverance is a quality that exemplifies Timothy. It's crucial to navigating life. Twists and turns. I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I remained faithful. These words echo through time, encouraging us to press up, press on in our journey. It calls us to keep pushing, even when life isn't sunshine and rainbows. It's not. It's ups and downs. It's never going to be peaceful. We will find peace in God, but it's never going to be peaceful. That's evident in my life for sure. But as we embrace those challenges, we find the quiet moments, the times of solitude and reflection, often become the arenas where our faith is refined and strengthened. We need to go to that battlefield. Philippians 4, 6, 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then He experienced God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard us, guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Whew, nearly there. Lastly, mentorship. So it emerges as a powerful theme in Timothy's story. The relationship between him and Paul illustrates the impact of investing in others. Paul wasn't seeking perfection in Timothy. Rather, he saw potential in the ordinary and nurtured it into the extraordinary. In our own lives, let's recognize the transformative influence we can have when we invest growth and development of those around us. Seek out mentors and be mentor to others. For these relationships, God's extraordinary plans often unfold. And the key verse for this one I found was Romans 12, 9 to 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So as we draw this reflection to a close, let's remember that, that Timothy's journey isn't just a historical account, but a timeless narrative meant to inspire and guide us. It's called embrace diversity of our gifts. To preserve those, uh, to persevere through challenges, to pass on a torch of faith and engage in transformative mentorship. In our ordinary, by the world standard lives, God is at work, weaving together a tapestry of extraordinary purposes. So let us continue to invite Him into every aspect of our existence, our homes, workplaces, routines, and dreams. As we do, we may find the courage to live out faith boldly, knowing that God uses the willing, the available, and the weak to accomplish His extraordinary plans. God is using, and we will use you. I'll leave you with this quote. Your world is dramatically broken, and you are still riddled with flaws, but Jesus is present gracious and faithful. Before, I know you're going to invite Matt up, I just want to say this whole thing, it highlighted Matt in my life. He's been a mentor to me. 
He's been part of the generational faith in my life. He's been through with me through the challenges. He's helped me persevere. And the wisdom and compassion he has shown me and my family over the years, I can't look at you, mate, is unparalleled. He played a key part in my life. And I'm so good, so honored to have you up here. And I just hope you can tie this all together. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thank you. Awesome. I'm just going to pray for everyone. Father, thank you for the words that you brought this morning, Lord. I pray that something has struck a note, struck a chord with the people here. I pray, even if we haven't experienced generational faith, that we can be the starting point, that we have the faith in you to be the starting point, that you live in us, that we can rely on the Holy Spirit. Help us to persevere through challenges in our life and help us to be a listening ear, a disciple, a mentor to others, Father. I thank you for your words that you're always going to be there. You're always going to be the one consistent in our life. So help us to look to you for everything. Help us to win the battles in the quiet times and help us to find space for you in our lives. In your awesome name, amen. Come on, yeah. Let's give him another hand. So good. Thank you, Luke, for taking the time to prepare that um, in what is, um, I know, a busy life with work and family. And bro, we, no, we, honestly, we just honor you for that. Thank you for the taking the time to prepare that and bless us with that. And also for your vulnerability. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing your journey in a real, raw and genuine way. We appreciate that. It's true. Hey, we truly are a product of others pouring into us. And that's both positive and negative. And today, be encouraged though, maybe what has been inputted into you, maybe at times has been more negative, that the house of God can be a place where you can have a positive input, where you can be raised, where you can be a, a spiritual son, spiritual daughter, and be taken to a whole other place and a whole other level. And um, amazing. Cool. Well, this morning, I have the privilege of welcoming, welcoming up Matt uh, to the platform. Um, and as I said about Luke, I say the same about Matt. We're so thankful for you and Emma. You are such pillars uh, to us. And uh, I'm actually truly grateful that God brought you into our house. It was a, it was a you know, it's, it's, it's such a God thing. And um, I feel like God's going to do something real awesome in this moment. And so why don't we welcome up. Let's stand to our feet. Welcome up, Matt, as he comes to bring the word this morning. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a tissue box. <laughs> oh, no. Get ready. Thank you. Sorry, I have been leaking all morning and week, so I just thought, stuff it, just embrace the tissues. If you're a cry, when you see people cry, I suggest you move close to some tissues. All right, now I've got to work out how to make this thing work. There we go, cool. All right. <coughs> Thanks, man. Like, that was just amazing, and um, so many parts of it weaved into what I wanted to do, and I was, like, pulling bits out, and all the bits I pulled out, you picked up. So uh, just amazing, man. That's great. Uh, hey, what a privilege to be up here, um, obviously to share. I can't look at the island. My family is here this morning, so I'm going to have to like find the right place to look. Apologies. <laughs> They've spread themselves around. So I'm going to have to like not look anywhere. Um, look, I just want to talk about the last 12 to 18 months of what God's been doing, not only in my life, but, but in the life of my wife and my family. Um, it really has been a time of going deeper. Um, and as I said, it's also part of Emma's story, so um, a bit of her weave into it where she can. So real quick, grew up in a Christian home. Our parents were pastors, went to a Christian school, so a real Christ-centred upbringing. Um, I was involved in church, music, youth ministry. I've had many ups and downs in my Christian walk. And if you asked me a couple of years ago to describe my faith, I would say it's pretty simple. Christ loved me and died for me. And because he did that, I love others. And that's what I shaped my life around. Um, but God took me on a bit of a journey and he goes, that's good, but I'm going to build on that. And Christ said to me, he said, Matt, he said, you need to understand that Christ died for you, me, individually. And if I was the only person in the world to ever be saved, he would have put his life on the cross for me. My sin and my shame were nailed to that cross. And once you get a hold of that, it changes your perspective. It changes your viewpoint. It is about me now, a personal relationship with me and Christ. 
Um, and it just blows me away when I think of the father. I've got a son. Everybody knows I've got a son. And man, to give your son up for someone else, dude, like God's love for us is just ridiculous. And then, so God loves us, gave his son, and then his son freely goes, puts himself on the cross, knowing full well that he could pull himself down at any stage, but chose to stay. Why? So we could have right relationship with God. And that's really what I want to sort of focus on today. These thinkings and the thoughts through my mind sort of brought me to a place where I realized that <clears throat> being, if being a Christian doesn't change me, then what's the point? If I don't get excited about what God's going to reveal in His Word, like what is the point? If I'm not waiting on Him to speak to me and guide me in my life, then what's the point? So this took us on a bit of a journey of seeking, and part of that was finding a church. And um, to cut a long story short, Reuben wanted to visit Disciple House late 2022, for all those that don't know, I've known Sam since he was a little kid. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I ain't going to that church. <laughs> little baby Sam, the pastor, get out. Anyway, God worked on us. And we rocked up early January to um, Teen Challenge. Guess what? It's one of the off weeks. No one's there. Rocked up, no one's there. Went and actually hung out with Dan and Corey after that, so that was cool. But something triggered in us, and we're like, hang on a second. There's something special about this house. There's something important here. These are a couple who love people. And so we came back the next week, and it was awesome. Sam's preaching was sweet. The music was pumping. Carl, dude, that guy can play the keys or what? It was just amazing. And so, you know, um, we came together for a couple of weeks, and after a couple of weeks, we finally convinced Sam and Esther to have us over for dinner. So went over there and, and had dinner with them, and we're just chatting and sharing our heart and sharing our journey and just really sharing the fact that, that God's asking us to go deeper. So that was Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. Sun, the next Sunday is Vision Sunday. What does Sam preach from the pulpit? Church's vision today is we're going deeper this year. Um, and I think from then on, we sort of knew there was something special here. But a couple of weeks after that, we're on our way home. We stop into the shops to do some shopping and uh, going about doing our shopping. And we're like, oh, we won't get that this week. Wait till next week. We don't need that, blah, 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 as you do when you go shopping. And um, we get up to, uh, as we're walking around and both me and Emma just start sharing that, that both really feel that God is, has been saying to us that he's called us to this house. And that's the first time for me and definitely for us as a couple that we felt God say to us, you're called to a house. Um, and not only to this house, but to serve um, Sam and Esther. And so we're talking about this as we go around. I'm possibly going to kick that. Um, I move a bit, sorry, the ADHD kicks in and I have to move. Um, so we do all that, we're chatting about that and God's like, I'm just going to seal this moment just to make sure you don't forget this. Just like he did with the Israelites, I'm going to seal this moment, we're going to put something here. So we go to the counter and um, the manager comes over, he's playing around on the register doing something, and the, and the cashier goes, hey, do you want to let them know what you're doing? And he goes, oh, look, just to let you know, I, we pick someone once a month to pay for their shopping, and it's you guys this, today. And so we're just like blown away. We're like, what, are you serious? Like, give it to someone else, man, we need to, no, no, it's yours. And so that's stuck in our minds. But not only that, the conversation that was had beforehand. Um, so, where am I? I lost my point. There we go. Okay, great. Anyway, so let me just, want, I want to go a bit deeper and talk about two main things that God has been working on me with and how I've got there. But first off, a lot of healing has happened in this time. Um, and I just want to honour Pastor Sam, Pastor Esther, um, for your heart, for this house and for the people, for loving us, for allowing us time to heal, but not only allowing us time to heal, but ensuring we don't fall through the cracks and holding us to account. Um, your leadership, your friendship and love is such a blessing. And as, as Luke talked about with generational, you haven't just impacted us, you've impacted the generations of our family to come. So I just want to thank you for that. All right, let's get into the Bible. If you've got a Bible, <laughs> we're going to turn, we're going to use it today. If you don't mind, we're going to go to Joshua 1.8. They should be on the screen. I'll try and give you some time, but I haven't got a lot of time. And I do want to come back again and preach, so I need to like, follow the rules. <laughs> All right, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. All right, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. I told you we're going to smash through them. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All Scripture inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every work. Hey, just a side note. 
get yourself a Bible and write in it. Because when I found that verse, I looked down the bottom and what have I scribbled in my chicken scratch? This is why we need to read his word. Highlight stuff, put bookmarks in it. Like, like it's, it's holy word, but the book itself's not holy. Don't feel like you can't scribble on it, yeah? I heard a story once of a guy, I'm sidetracking, sorry, and um, what he used to do every morning was rip a page out of his Bible, put it in his lunchbox and he took it to work and that's what he read. Some people don't like that idea, but you know what? There's nothing holy about the actual book. It's the scriptures that are in there. That's powerful. So do whatever you need to do to, dust, to, to get this thing into you. Matt 4.4. You've got to speak from Matt, don't you, if you're Matt? It's got to come out of there. Matt 4.4, but Jesus told him, no, the scripture says, please, uh, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right. You want to get closer to God? You want to get deeper? Start here. I can't simplify it any further for you. This is it. You've got to start here. So let me give you a little highlight of how that's gone for me. Um, after a couple of weeks, I've never read it cover to cover. I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in church for a long time. I never read it cover to cover. And that is my aim now is to read this cover to cover and get to the point where I'm reading it cover to cover every year. And so to start that journey, I come alongside my cousin, my brother, man I love, and... Um, we start doing, February 22, we start a two-year journey. Because I'm like, I want to make this work for me. So if, you, if you're looking for something to use, there's an app called YouVersion. Get it on your phone. It's got some amazing um, devotionals in there. It's got some amazing um, Bible plans. So we start that, me and Luke together. And do it with someone. Get someone to spur you on. And we go along with that. And we get to um, end, of ju- uh, end of June. And we're like, dude, this is cool, but it's going to take us forever, man, to get through this Bible. So then we find another one, a new one, and we start it on the 1st of July, and it's um, the New Testament twice, Old Testament once, and I think Psalms and Proverbs twice um, within a year. And so day 156 today, day 156, um, and there's times when we miss days and then we spur each other on, hey man, what's going on, get back on the word. There's times we'll see stuff and we'll message each other about what's going on and, and what it is, and um, look, the thing you need to understand is that this is powerful. That it's the conscious effort of setting time aside to read the Word that unlocks the power in here. It's the daily putting time aside and reading it. And I am astounded. It doesn't matter what I'm reading, whether it's a devotional that was written five years ago that's got no idea of what's going on in my world, or I'm reading the Scripture. It speaks to me daily, not just about things that are about God, but about what's going on in my life at that time. It's the living Word of God. It will speak to you. But you know what? I ain't going to speak to you if it's sitting on a shelf like that. It's doing nothing. You've got to get into it and you have to devour it. So, going on this journey about reading the Bible, I, I spent a bit of time in the Old Testament because that's where a lot of the, the things start, so about the Old Testament. And so, I'm going through it and I'm just like, man, God, God is God. You know, like I, it's, it's, I found it a bit easy to accept the, you know, Jesus Christ came and died for me and God the Father sent his son to die for me. But to get to the point where you're like, God is God? Like, he created all this. It's all his. Like, do, you, do you understand that? He is the creator. We are the created. And just so I'm not lying, let's go to the Bible. Isaiah 29, 16. How foolish can you be? It's talking to me for sure. He is the potter, and he is certainly great, greater than you, the clay. Should the creative thing say of the one who made it, he didn't make me? Does a jar ever say to the potter who made me is stupid? This cup's a cup. That's what it was made for. Someone designed it. It's a cup. This cup, cup, turn around and go, you know what? I'm going to be a Ferrari. It is what it was created to be. We are created. We have a creator. We actually don't get to choose what we do. Yeah? The Bible here guides us. We are the created. He is the creator. So I got to this journey of going through God is God. And so God was like, all right, perfect. If that's what you want to say, and you say I'm holy and to be praised, and um, then uh, let's just push on a couple of little points and see if that is true. So... Um, let me just uh, read one more verse because I just want to back, back to another verse. We've read it already. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. I'll put a little note here. It says, read twice. So I'll read it twice. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize 
what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Yeah, so as you read this word, just a warning, as you read it, he is going to highlight stuff in your life and he is going to push his finger on a button and he is going to ask you to change. But if you want to live a different life, that's what you have to do. So, two little um, stories. How much time am I going for time? Am I doing all right? Great. Story one. If anybody's hung around me for a long time, you know I like to budget. I like to make sure my finances are all good. Don't I, Ebony? Everything's in there. I've sat down with the kids multiple times with the Monopoly money. This is how much money it costs to pay the mortgage. This is what the food costs. This is what's left. And here, we got five bucks. And every time you ask me and mum, can we go to the movies with our friend and can I have 20 bucks? It comes out of that excess five bucks because everything else has got to get paid first. I'm a budgeter. I put it all together. I like to make sure the money's working. The other side of me, though, is I love to give. Love to be generous, love to be hospitable, love to have people in our house. God's given us an amazing house um, to bless people, and, um, and we love that. And so I've got these two tensions in my life. So we know we're called to disciple house. We know this is where we're supposed to be. So God goes, right, time to deal about the tithing issue that you have, Matt. I've got a tithing issue. I had a tithing issue. I'm a pastor's kid. I went through school, everything was paid for through my dad being a pastor, but you know what, I had an issue with tithing to the church. Not an issue with giving. And I remember driving on, away from high, uh, church, it's where normally when me and them have deep and meaningful chats, driving home from church and having a chat about, hey, you know, I just feel like I need to do something, how can we support Sam and Esther, can I get their bank account, drop some money in their account without them knowing it's from ours, like what can we do? Who knows if you've got a wife, that sometimes the Holy Spirit likes to speak through them. And they speak the truth, and it's one of the most annoying things in the world, but you just got to suck it up. So Emma turns to me and goes, I think you've actually got an issue with control of the money. Because it's not about the giving, it's the fact that you are in control of where it goes. And so I'm like, hmm, okay. All right, God. Okay, cool, cool. All right, I'll just, thanks, Emma, I'll take that. I shut up and I just keep my eye quiet and put it along. So I journey through it and I have a chat with Sam and, Sam doesn't try and say, you must give now, man. You've been coming all these weeks. You've got to start giving now. It was more like, hey, whatever. It's your journey. But here's some resources. I preached on it last year. Have a listen. Here's another one. Read this. Listen to that. So I listened to podcast. Listen to this. Listen to that. And just got to the point where, where God was reminding me, am I God or am I not? I was thinking about trying to make a flow chart, but I couldn't quite get it working. But basically the flow chart would go something like this. What does the Bible say about it? Tithe. Um, uh, but I don't want to tithe. Uh, what does the Bible say about it? Tithe. Uh, is the Bible the Word of God? Yes. Uh, is God God? Yes. So should you tithe? Yes. And I was just trying to think, I've got to come up with something I can use for anything, right? What does God say about it? This. Well, then do it. I don't want to. What does the Bible say? Yes. Is the Bible God's Word? Yes. Just do it. God's God. It's His anyway. And so as I'm writing this, um, uh, He reminded me of, of something that He highlighted to me, and he, and he just said, Matt, do you think that you can do more or better with the 100% than we can do together with the 90. I was like, man, um, no, God, I do not think. And he reminded me again, do you think you can do more or better with the 100% than we, God and me working together, can do with the 90? And I was like, all right, God, fine, I'll give the 10%. It's easy, right? You set it up in your bank account. I don't even know about it. It just goes out and it just leaves. You know, we have to acknowledge that God is God. He is God and live our lives like it. So God was like, cool, all right, I've worked on that. Now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. Now we're getting close to where I can use you. All right, as I said before, I've got a beautiful son, Ruben. He just turned 18. Um, and at the beginning of the year, he got his licence Scary time for parents when their sons get their licenses. And in the meantime, I'm reading Job. I'm reading, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm reading about um, uh, Abraham and Isaac. Not great things to be reading. And so I don't even know when, but I, just, I wake up from this horrible dream. And the dream is that my son has died in a car accident. And my, I wake up and my heart is aching. It's pounding. And I don't really dream. So I straight away I'm like, okay, there's got to be something here, God. What are you trying to tell me? 
And the next night or a couple of nights later, same deal, wake up. Ruben's died in a car accident. My heart's pounding. I'm freaking out. I'm just like, God, what is it? What are you saying to me? And he says, if it gets taken all away, will you still love me? And will you still worship me? I said, God, please don't. And he goes, if I took it all away, would you still love me? And would you still worship me? Now, you've got to remember, you guys know I'm a worshiper, man. That comes out of my heart. And you can't lie to God, right? So I can't say, yeah, God, no problems. There's got to be a heart change. It's got to swap. So I sit on this. I don't say any to Emma. I'm journeying through this in my mind. And then Sam and Esther hang around after a meeting once and we end up chatting till like three in the morning or something stupid like that. They end up sleeping over because it's easier. Um, and I share this story with them. Because I'd come to the point where I'm like, God, whatever. If it all went away, if I lost it all, yes, I would still love you and I would still worship you. And that's when he goes, right, I've got you. And as I start to talk about it, he goes, Matt, it's nothing to do with your son. It's your job. For those that don't know, I'm the head of the Swan Trade Training Centre at Swan Christian College. It is the most amazing job and I love it with all my heart. And it's something I've wanted for so long and I've worked my butt off to get. But God said to me, if I ask you to give it up, you need to be able to give it up. So as soon as he said that, because I've already gone through this journey of losing my son, it was easy. It's like, no problems, it's yours. Now, even more now, I know that I'm called to be there more than ever before. I'm seeing God move in that place more than ever before. Why? Because instead of holding it like this, I've done this with it. And I'm like, God, whatever. And I know deep in my heart, and we've talked about it, if God said to us tomorrow, sell it all, quit your job, we would. Why? Because he is God. We're not called to be lukewarm. We're not called to be sort of in the Word a little bit and in the Bible a little bit. That's not what this is about. Now, quick side note, before I get into the rest. God's really always, He likes to be humorous with me because He likes to make me laugh. A couple of weeks after that, guess what happens? Reuben loses his license for six months. Thank you, Jesus. No stress, no worrying. Guys, just like, I've put it on you. I know the stress I've put you through, but now we've eased it up. So thank you, God. So sorry, Rubes, you had to go through that, but God was trying to talk to your dad, and he's a little bit thick and sometimes really needs to get it hammered home. So what am I trying to say this morning? Drawing closer to God is actually quite simple. Carl, if you're okay to come up. We've got to read the Bible. That's where it starts. We've got to acknowledge that God is God. And then we have to live our life like that. You can't acknowledge that He is God and say, yes, you are God, and then think that you can go about living your life exactly as it is. At some point in our life, we actually have to make a decision and say, enough is enough, I'm either in and out. And that's where I got to. I'm like, if this Christianity thing is something, it's got to be different. I don't want to live the life like I have like the last 30-odd years of saying I'm a Christian and being a nice person, loving people, but there being no change inside me. James 4, 5. Do you think the Scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the Spirit is placed within us, should be faithful to Him. Revelations 3, 15 and 16. I just read this again recently and dude, it knocked me. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold, and I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And Isaiah 29, 13, and this is where I lived for a long time. And so the Lord said, these people say they are mine. They honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And the worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. You know, we either read this Bible and we believe what it says, and we live our lives according to it, or we don't. 
We either acknowledge that God is God and He is the Creator and we are the created and we live our lives like that or we don't. We're either a Christian or we're not. He is God or He's not. This is the living word or it's not. We can't pick the parts we like and go through a lot that bit. Oh, but that bit's too close to home. I'm not reading that bit again. It's either inspired by Him or it's not. It's either His word or it's not. You're either in or you're not. You know, and as I'm writing this this week, I'm like, God, this is harsh. Please give me something nice to say. Second Corinthians seven fourteen, and, and I, God gave me this this morning, and I shared it in the prayer time, and, and I really believe that part of this is for this house. And it says, "Then if my people who are called by my name." will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. The next two verses are about this house and we'll share that at a different time. That verse there doesn't say get your life right, make sure you're holy, then come to him. It clearly says turn your eyes to me, then turn from your wicked ways. And so God is saying today, today is the day you decide to draw closer. Today is the day you stop being lukewarm. Today is the day you start living your life wholly sold out to God. Today is the day you start prioritizing reading His Word. Today is the day that you say enough is enough and turn your focus back to Him. He is calling you this morning. He wants you to make a change. He wants you to say, God, I am yours You are mine, you are God, and my life is wholly yours. And when you do that, please, you need to understand the weight that comes off you. It's liberating. Because I'm his, and his life is his, and I'll do whatever he asks. And it's easy, and it's simple, because I just read this and follow it. Now, obviously, there's things we've got to choose and give up, Matthew 16, 24 says, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Because if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? God's doing something in the nation and in the world at the moment. And we're either in or we're out. He's not, he's not willing to have a lukewarm church anymore. His heart is crying out for you to commune with Him daily as your God. Not as something we come and worship on a Sunday and then walk away and do whatever we want. He is God. He asks us to lay down our life as a sacrifice to Him. The last two verses of Isaiah, of that part there. Oh, sorry, Chronicles, where am I? Second Chronicles 14. And it's calling this house to something different. If you don't know this by now, you haven't hung out with Sam and Esther long enough. This is not a normal house. This is not a cookie-cutter version of a church that we've seen up the road that we think we're trialling. This is something that is resting on their heart and it is something different and it's in line with what God is doing in the nation at the moment. So then if my people who call by my name will humble themselves, do you call yourself a Christian? Then humble yourself. Pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. And I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their lands. And then he says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers made in uh, this place. This place, Disciple House. For I've chosen this temple. I've set it apart to be holy. 
a place where my name will be honoured forever and I'll always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. He asks us to seek his face. He's asking you today to make a choice. You're either in or you're out. You either decide to draw closer or you don't. You decide to stop being lukewarm or you don't. Today is the day you start living wholly sold out for God or you don't. Today is the day you start prioritising the Word and focusing on Him. Let me pray. Father in heaven, holy, holy you are. And God, we hear your word this morning that you want us to go from ordinary to extraordinary. But it's nothing in who we are that does that, God. It is you. And church today, it's not about being prayed for. It's, it's actually about you making the decision. Marked by the date today or whatever it is, that today is the day that I choose to acknowledge that you are the creator and we are the created. So Father, will your Holy Spirit start to speak to us? Will your Holy Spirit guide us? Thank you, Father. Hey, just for the next few minutes, why don't we just take a moment to just sit and ask God what we've heard today, what He wants us to take away. What does he want to say to us today? The team are going to lead us in a song. But come on, as Matt was just saying, don't be casual in this moment. King of kings, the Lord of lords in this room. Open your heart. That's the doorway to his presence. All it is is an open heart. Don't let your sin, don't let your efforts get in the way. It's His grace. It's just an open heart. Just lay it before Him today. Don't worry about the person on your left and right. Just have a moment with God.